Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 18, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in Chapter 11, entitled A Vision for You, on page 161, the very first paragraph, beginning with, Now this house will hardly accommodate. Today's readers are Judy B., Penny E., Fran, and Rebecca. And the share code for yesterday's meeting, that's Sunday, March 17th, Step 10 panel, 4102. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory of our, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Uh, Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these, these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now call on Meg to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. My name is Meg O, and I'm a very grateful compulsive overeater in Vermont. 
The Twelve Traditions 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in chapter 11. A vision for you on page 161, the first full paragraph beginning with Now This House, and I will ask Judy B. to begin reading, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Now This House will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors, for they number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near, 
from surrounding towns, family drive, families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. And the asterisk says that this was written in 1939, because we know today that uh, the fellowship numbers many, many, many people. And um, this paragraph uh, is talking about the house that they've been uh, describing for the last four paragraphs, where um, alcoholics gathered uh, and found people that were recovering, people that were recovered, and they were uh, they were there for the alcoholic, and they were there to show them hope and to show them that there was a solution that worked. And um, that's why why Alcoholics has grown. Alcoholics Anonymous has grown the way it has. Um, I love the line: "Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near." And the reason for this is that. Um, the program they were were offering uh, was working. People were getting help. It was a safe haven for those who had uh, this addiction. And at that time, in uh, before 1939, alcoholics just just didn't have the um, they didn't have the opportunities that that are offered now today. Um, they were they were in uh, terrible straits. The only solution before that had been to be hospitalized, and so many of them that were hospitalized just got worse and worse, never better. And now with this um, home that was opened up and these people who were sharing their recovery with others, there was hope. You know, there was this safe haven. And um, that's what we hope will happen for Overeaters Anonymous also. We hope that eventually uh, those that recover are able to to offer something that will attract attract many and will be respected and um, and recommended by by doctors and medical people and you know people all over the all over the world so um we can just see the growth we can see the growth of alcoholics anonymous and we can hope and pray that we can do the same thing with Overeaters Anonymous. People will be attracted from far and near. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Well, hi, this is Melanie. Oh, Melanie, please go ahead. Hi, thank you. I didn't know that I could add any more to what Melanie compulsive over you to recover. I didn't know that I could add more to what Judy was saying. I would like to just add, I would just like to say again what it says to me is that um, there's a program of attraction here and they're doing their work, which is spreading the word, and people are coming in because of that and they're seeing the modeling for the first time. It really is taking shape, mushrooming out from that idea and that I had an opportunity to see that very thing, that when I walked into a room of, of people 
and in that group of people, there would be standing 65, 65 recovered folks that were at normal body weight and gleam in their eye and glow in their eye and, and conversation and liveliness and laughter and things where I knew there once had not been, of course, that was my experience as well. I didn't come in there laughing or whatever, but it turned to that very quickly. And this, this together with this fellowship, this peer influence together, brought more people hope, you know, that glimmer of hope to be able to do just that, and that they were doing their work. People came up to me and said, hello, and, and what can we do, and, and do you know about, and, and I didn't have to do all that talking, those things that were so difficult because I was so filled with shame and regret. And in this very, very simple paragraph, I can see that memory come to life so large again, and they're saying that here, and that somehow the work was was spreading because even a community that was some miles out, they had 15. 15 is huge sometimes for OA meetings, quite frankly, you know, and they were alive and vibrant and without a pass. Thank you, Melanie. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? I'll jump in there. My name's Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says alcoholics are being attracted from far and near, from surrounding towns. Families drive long distances to be present. Um, they're being attracted to the results of recovery. I mean, there's an electricity we read uh on Friday, you know, there's an, electri- an electric atmosphere in this place. What is the electricity? The electricity is God. The electricity is a power greater than ourselves doing for us what we could never do alone. Um, they are attracted because the program of recovery was turning out results. These principles that we study, these action steps that were implemented in these men and women's lives, they were turning out results. Disease has results. Disease has results too, right? Disease has isolation. Disease has deep depression, suicidal thinking. But the recovery had results, specific results to the program of recovery. Number one, men and women, these alcoholics who were thought to be hopeless, dying of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, they were getting sober and staying sober. And number two, their families were being reunited. It says from surrounding towns, families drove long distances to be present. I mean, this was a family affair because these men and women were becoming whole once again. There was a rehabilitation going on. There was a restoration going on. And it wasn't through human aid. And it wasn't through any uh, personal success. It wasn't through determination and motivation of these men and women. There was a power greater than themselves that was transforming them from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, and it was evident, and the atmosphere was electric, and that was attractive. And they took responsibility, these men and women who were now ex-problem drinkers, and they began to carry the message. So it was an atmosphere of hope. There was a message of hope that was being carried in these rooms, There was instruction being conveyed. There were clear-cut directions being taught. There was support. There was love. And with that combination, 
it says a community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous being a large place. We think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. Well, of course, today, look at us. Look how we're gathered every morning uh, together to carry the message, to teach the program of recovery. That spiritual chain reaction that grew from Ebby and Bill to Dr. Bob in Akron now has stretched to countless alcoholics in cultures as diverse as imaginable. And, of course, the 12-step program, this 12-step method, has been adopted widely by fellowships of people recovering from various addictions. And, of course, we're a great example of that, compulsive overeaters are getting recovered from these very same steps, these very same instructions that it created this electric atmosphere and this restoration of men and women to become upstanding citizens and their families were reunited. So the same program of recovery that worked back then, beginning with Bill to Dr. Bob, works today with you and I. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Kim. Kim, your turn. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for they number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. And just real briefly, I wanted to say, you know, we started this meeting in July, and we were averaging 50 people or so. Last week, I remember at one point, we had 175 people on this line. You know, we have people calling in from California where it's like 4 o'clock in the morning. We have people calling in from Israel. We have, I've heard accents from Germany and from Switzerland. That's one of my favorite things is dial in and to hear the southern drawl and to hear the the Northeast twang and the Texas drawl. And, you know, that's the beauty of this. We we come from far and near. You know, the number of people that call me that say, I heard you on the recording. I listened on the the website. This meeting is, is experiencing exactly what this is talking about. We are coming from far and near. We are united on this common solution. And because we're united on this common solution, from July till now, the live meeting has tripled. And I don't even know how we even know how many people call in on the, on the recordings and how many people call in on, the web, on our, our website. So we are not only reading the history, we are experiencing this ourselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else before we move on? All right, well, let's move on to the next paragraph with Penny E., please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. This is Penny E., recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. Cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs for each other when justified. These are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. Social distinctions, petty rivalries and jealousies, these are laughed out out of continence, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, 
the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? I would like to share Penny E. recovered in South Jersey. Uh, What I'm looking at here is this sentence, being wrecked in the same vessel. You know, we were dying. We were drowning. Uh, Some of us actually did die. Heart disease, diabetes. We buried at least two people in my area as a result of this uh, disease. The same vessel, being restored, being transformed, and united under one God. That's an incredible bond we have. It says, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. This is, you know, selfishness is the root of our problem. Selfishness. And what I have learned to, um, what I have learned in this program is the more I give myself to somebody else, the more I get out of myself, the better I am, the closer I am to God. It says, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? My my uh, values, my interests, my priorities in my life have totally changed. Totally, totally changed. I have to. How could it be anything else? I want to live today. I was on a death trip. I tried a million things. A million things. Had my jaws wired shut. I mean, on and on. Diet uh, plans, diet doctors, diet pills, diet camp. I mean, you name it, I did it for years and years and years. And here I come in and I'm taught that uh, a few simple principles can change my life. I have to ask God to relieve me of the selfishness every day. And, how, and I have life today. I wake up ready, happy, joyous, and free, no matter what comes down the pike. No matter what comes down the pike, I'm ready. Thank you, God. If it looks like it's not going to be such a great day, thank you, God, for this opportunity, another fine growth opportunity to get closer and closer to you. How could I think of living any other way, you know, Um, just to be there for other people? And, of course, the stories from the beginning, way back, 1939 and so forth, they, I mean, they opened up their homes and they gave money and, you know, people moved in with them. Uh, we don't do that so much here. I've actually offered my house to a couple people who could not get abstinent and um, they, they declined. And I think I was pretty much, uh, I don't know, it was a relief. I don't know how that would have worked. But they did that. They were there for others. That was their lifeline. That's how they got their breath. That's how they got their their nourishment, to be there for other people. So I'm just so grateful to read this and to be reminded that uh, the more I get out of myself and the more I can be there for other people, the better off I'm going to be. So thanks, everybody. Have a God-filled day. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Katie, please. Good morning, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. Uh, You know, we come here every morning and we share these, um, you know, how this program works for us. But the, the great fact is that we live this program um, the other 23 hours of the day that, you know, I could, um, I spent years in uh, Over Years Anonymous trying to figure out what I was supposed to do because I was looking for a diet. I was looking for a one-shot deal, uh, a temporary fix. 
And what I have found um, as the years have gone by is that I need this program every day of my life. I don't just come in here and clean up a bit and then go back to my old ways of doing things. And the good news is I don't want to. Um, And I have that hope to offer to others who, you know, (laughs) can say, well, what do you do in this situation? And what do you do in that situation? And, you know, how am I going to make amends to, you know, my children or my spouse or my employer? And and what do we do? Um, And this is saying, you know, this is everyday occurrences, that we are recovering every day. And it's not just... um, a facade. I was the master of deception in disease. I lived a double life. I uh, acted like everything was okay, but boy, you crossed me and it wasn't okay anymore. And, you know, this is a lifelong um, recovery process and it would be very disappointing if we got on the phone, you know, this is how so many of us get together now, and if, you know, instead of hearing recovery today, we heard, you know, a, a list of, you know, all the people who binged over the weekend, but it's not like that. We uh, we stay clean between meetings, and uh, it's a great hope for the newcomer, and it's a great um motivation for me as a recovered person to keep coming back because life keeps happening and I keep needing this this program every day. It's not, I'm not cured, I'm recovered. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Lois. Um, may I comment? Of course. Okay, it says, I'd like to... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Comment on. I I love this paragraph. It says being wrecked in the same vessel. You know, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others. The things that used to matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? You know. And to me, this is such a beautiful paragraph so beautifully written and and explains you know it's the the um the, the recovery program the the whole recovery process about um being being wrecked in the same vessel how could how could i not be thankful one day at a time you know that that i have been restored with with god with god and others i can continue doing this and to me it means that I need, you know, I need God in my life and I need others in my life. And I do that on a daily basis and I, I give and I receive. And the more I give, the more I receive. And this is just such a beautiful, simple message. Very, you know, not so simple to always carry out, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful message of hope. And it, um, I'm very happy to um, be part of our program. Thank you so much. And I'm going to pass. Thank you, Lois. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. 
Well, Amalia, I'll pull a few things out of here uh, that jumped out at me. Um, But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. Um, As Katie just commented, uh, yes, we live life. I mean, we come together uh, for an hour a day, you and I. (laughs) But what am I doing the 23 other hours of my day? (laughs) Um, You know, am I laying down these principles? Am I weaving them through the fabric of my life? Am I speaking to my husband with respect? Am I patient with my children? Um, Am I caring for my neighbor? Uh, you know, just because we get abstinent and recovered in Overeaters Anonymous, uh, life doesn't stop happening. We're still subject to and subject of life. Life still goes on. Uh, people die. Relationships end. Businesses fail. People get sick. Life still goes on. Life still goes on. Uh, but thank God, you know, we have this program of recovery and we thread it through the fabric, the tapestry of our lives, and it it shows here cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs for each other, becomes a whole, uh, you know, just a treasure chest of resources for one another and assistance to one another, um, you know, when we come together as this group. When justified, these are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. You know, each one of us is special and precious, and each one of us is necessary. You know, for each of us to get recovered and to be able to contribute and to be able to carry a message and to be able to share his or her personal experience is extremely necessary, valuable, and priceless. It says, social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are laughed out of countenance. Uh, You know, when I think of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, of course, uh, crosses over, what, 180 countries, you know, I think of all the people, people who would normally not mix, who sit in those rooms. Uh, You have doctors, you have lawyers, you have presidents of companies, you have teachers, truck drivers, electricians, you have the unemployed, you have the housewives, uh, you have some of the wealthiest people on this planet and you have some of the poorest people on the planet and you know what the beauty is the beauty is is that when you go into those rooms you can't tell who's who the beauty is that when we come together you can't tell what you know who's who on this line because we've been what we've been brought together because we were wrecked we were destroyed by the same illness, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored. We have been restored. Those of us that recover have been restored. We're now united under one God. Now, that reminds me of, you know, some of the traditions here, that our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon this unity, that we stay grounded and stand in harmony on a common solution. Because united, we stand divided we will fall. It's true for me today as it was when I first crawled in in January 19, 1987. If there is no you, there is no me. (laughs) I need you. 
So the traditions come alive to me in this paragraph because the traditions were born to save us from ourselves. And they were ironed out by recovered people. It says, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people, no matter signify, no longer signify much to them. You know, our measures of success are different. Our measures of success, you know, prior to recovery, perhaps the preoccupation was, you know, am I successful? Am I making a good living? Uh, Am I popular? You know, am I having fun? And how do I look, by the way? Am I good looking? I mean, those were some of the measures of success. In recovery, in these 12-step rooms, the measure of success is, am I aligning myself with God's will today? Am I seeking to know and to do his will today? That's the preoccupation. If you want to be a good athlete, you're preoccupied with it, right? They work out, they run, they catch, (laughs) they practice uh, their skills. They're preoccupied with it. You can't be an athlete just because you want to be one. It's the same thing with the program of recovery. You can't be recovered just because you want to be one. You actually have to live what we learn. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this? paragraph star one to unmute all right i'll take that as a no Let's move on to the next paragraph then with Fran, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision View. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many eastern cities. In one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addiction. Six years ago, One of our number was a patient there. Many of us have felt for the first time the presence and power of God within its walls. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there. For he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, please. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. It's Kim again. Um, you know, once again, let's look at the context of the time period. You know, in the 1930s, the only solution they had for alcoholics was to throw them in a sanitarium, to throw them in with schizophrenics and all people who have different mental disorders because that's what they thought. They thought that alcoholics had this mental condition of which they are just weak-willed and they don't have any kind of backbone and they need to suck it up and if they can't, they're going to be a, you know, a problem to themselves and to their families and to the society. Let's just throw them away and throw away the key. Let's throw away the key. And here he is talking about this doctor that is saying that we are greatly indebted to this doctor and attendance there. He, although he might be prejudiced his own work, has told us our belief in ours. So this doctor who's invested in a medical solution 
is seeing the results. He's seeing people who are recovered. He's seeing these reunited families. He's seeing not only people get sober, but the people get recovered, to have the obsession removed. And this is in 1939. And I just want to go back to the medical view on page 569. Now, this is in 1944. There's a, there's, um, a conference of doctors. And this, I'm going to read the last paragraph. It says, Dr. Harry M. Tebow, psychiatrist. As a psychiatrist, I have thought a great deal about the relationship of my specialty to AA. And I have come to the conclusion that our particular function can very often lie in preparing the way for the patient to accept any sort of treatment or outside help. I now conceive the psychiatrist's job to be the task of breaking down the patient's inner resistance so that which is inside him will flower as under the activity of the AA program. So before this book was published, Dr. Tebow probably saw a hopeless alcoholic and said, throw him in the sanitarium. And now, a mere five years later, after the publication of this book, after him witnessing the recoveries of these people, he's saying, my job has changed. My job now is to, to prepare these men to go into the AA rooms so that they can recover themselves. I will help prepare them. I will let them know they're hopeless. I will let them know that if they don't find that spiritual help, they're going to be going to the sanitarium the same way I threw people in the sanitarium 10 years ago. But there is this solution out there in these men in AA, and he felt so confident that as a psychiatrist, he said, I will prepare these guys, meaning, which I'm thinking means get them dried out, so that he can send them to an AA meeting and they can recover. What an incredible, incredible endorsement this doctor has given Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment this on this Phoenix. paragraph? This is Phoenix from Recovered in California. Please go ahead. Yeah. Oh, God, this is so beautiful because when I read, you know, the doctor's opinion, and, you know, I think of myself, 2013, and um, and and when I think about being in the program or the 12 steps and my higher power and becoming recovered and have, being free, I, I, at first, you know, before I started studying the big book, I didn't see it as, like, from a historical point of view, you know. But when I read the doctor's opinion, he talks, when he, when he talks about Bill, you know, being someone who, on the outside, you know, his, his capabilities and everything, that, you know, he's a, a businessman of good earning capacity. And, and, that, and that the doctor works with alcoholics and addicts, that can be that can be helped, but then there was a certain kind, you know, what he calls of the hopeless variety, that the methods didn't work, and so I think of of myself and I say there was a time when someone like myself, of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, could not be helped, and so but you I don't think about it like that until I study the book because. It's like, well, there's 12 sick programs everywhere. But there wasn't always that way, you know? And so, and, and then when he talks about, he, they talk about the, that, that things are happening, that these men, these men and their families, he talks about what's happening and what he sees 
you know, these the uh, uh, the uh, seemingly hopeless ones, the ones that that could not be treated by traditional methods, you know, they become recovered. You know, they get well. There, you know, there's a transformation in their family life and 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 you know, being reborn. But yet, at that time, he says, you know, that um, that these facts appear appear to be of extreme extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities and rapid growth inherent in this group and say they may may mark a new epic in the annals of alcoholism and these men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations and you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves not about what they've heard, you know, but but their own personal experience and transformation, and 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 what we know today, you know, and I don't want I don't like to speak for other people, but what I have come to understand that I I read this and I say, you know, they they saw all of these miraculous things happening, but they weren't sure, and now I know, you know, that it it did come to pass. And, the, and there was a new epic in the annals of alcoholism and other spiritual maladies that manifested with different symptoms, mine just particular being compulsive eating, you know, and the issue of compulsively overeating on food. So uh, it's, just, uh, it's just really exciting to, to recognize where, where they came from, where, you know, the transformation, the history, the growth, you know, and that I can say that, I no longer say maybe or this may be a turning point because it was a turning point and I get to take advantage of that each day, become recovered, live recovered, and get better at it, you know, get better at it. And what I learned about in my experience in being recovered is that that's the door, you know, that being recovered is like it it opens that door, but that that's just the beginning, it's not the end, and it gets better and better and better and better and better. And I'm just newly recovered. I've been absent about four and a half, almost five years, but I've been recovered almost two years. And both were good. One was good, and this is great, and it just gets better and better. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Helena. May I share? Helena, good morning. Go. Good morning. Um, What I hear is that there are many ways in which people come into this program and that here in A Vision for You, we are being given an example of one, which is that a doctor who really believes in us is recommending patients and that uh, he's running his program so that people can make their first contact with God in that hospital. But there are many other ways. This is just an example. And what I am also reminded is that um, very often medical attention is needed and that we are not medical people and we do not have opinions on outside issues, things like bypass surgery or um, the way that nutrition is changing. The nutritional research is amazing these days. Um, so nonetheless, we, it says cooperate, never criticize, in the beginning of working with others, it says you can reach out to doctors. They know a lot, but we have something special because we've been through this ourselves. 
So we are not to judge, we're not to criticize, we're to look for opportunities where we can reach out to others and not uh, give them an opinion necessarily on what the medical uh, establishment is doing. And the best way, of course, uh, if we can be at the point where a doctor can look at us and see recovery and can say, you can rely on anything these people say about themselves, how wonderful is that? And from that seed, a fellowship will grow up around us, um, whatever, however it is that we reach people. This a vision for you is giving me hope that right here the same thing can happen as happened in AA with the fellowship growing around us. And as has been pointed out, we already see this fellowship growing up around us. Pass. Thank you. Anyone else? This is Carol. Kim, go ahead. Compo- it's Carol. Carol, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Uh, many of us have felt for the first time the presence and power of God within these walls. And I'm a person who came from picking food out of garbage cans to a life that um, today, I mean, I just have this day. This day and yesterday were amazing because I'm clear-headed, I'm abstinent, and I'm totally um, connected to my higher power. The presence and power of God, there is no way my life would look like it does this day without the presence and power of God. And I look at, you know, it's throughout this whole book. It's the basis. It's the foundation. And um, it just always, always blows me away when I look at the power and presence of God and how it's applied to the millions and millions of people who have recovered from chronic, chronic addictions, from lives that were just, you know, my life was pretty much on the end. I mean, uh, it was miserable. It was dark. It was a bad place to be. And the fact that I have a life today and I can be present and livid and happy and joyous and free, that's nothing short of a miracle. And only the presence and power of God can do that in my estimation. Um, So I'll pass. Thank you very much. My name is Leah. I'll just comment on this statement here. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. And, of course, that word indebted means owing in gratitude, appreciation of recognition. So, you know, he is referred to, and of course we're speaking about Dr. William Silkworth here, he was referred to as the medical saint. He was AA's first friend. He was AA's first friend. He happened to be a doctor. He happened to be a neurologist uh, and an alcoholism specialist. He found himself in a field he never <laughs> thought he would uh, venture into. But he freely risked his professional reputation to champion this fledgling movement called Alcoholics Anonymous. And we don't realize sometimes how lucky we are (laughs) that uh, Dr. William Silkworth uh, found his way, uh, through God's grace, into the arms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, Because prior to 1930, very few people ever recovered, obviously. And prior to 1930, you know, thought uh, that it was willpower or it was a moral character issue or it was about sin. Um, But Dr. Silkworth 
was the one who, um, he was the first physician to fully understand and put it to words what alcoholics' problem was. And he worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of alcoholics in the early part of the 20th century. And in his work, of course, he discovered much about alcoholics. And, of course, we study that, and that's written up in the doctor's opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a good time to to feel a heart full of gratitude for this man who risked his reputation and put his reputation on the line in order to believe in, in order to uh, promote something and to speak about something which, as our previous person commented, was spiritual, went beyond medicine. I mean, men in the fields of medicine and the fields of science stood powerless and helpless by the bedsides of these alcoholics. They would. It was very frustrating. They would see these alcoholics come in and withdraw from alcohol, and then get their bodies cleaned up. And in 30 days, they looked pretty good. They were in maybe fairly good shape. And then two months later, four months later, six months later, maybe a couple weeks later, they would end up back in the hospital, worse than others, worse than before. Uh, it was the presence and power of God that restored these men and women to sanity, and Dr. William Silkworth saw that, knew that, and spoke about that in our early pages of this text. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph with Rebecca, please. Good morning, this is Rebecca, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. Many of us, former patients, go there to help. Then, in this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you, where you may now see scores of members. There are the same fast friendships. There is the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. There is a good bit of travel between East and West, and we foresee a great increase in this helpful interchange. Um, The part that jumps out at me is there are the same fast friendships there is the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends, the same fast friendships. Um, I found that in this program I did make some fast friends, and um, I think that my friendships have made a huge difference in my recovery in terms of not feeling isolated and having someone to share what's going on with me and bringing this program to life and um, relishing in it and enjoying it um, among comrades. And um, I guess I just want to make a pitch for that. Um, I think a lot of us 
kind of show up on the line or maybe even show up at the face-to-face -face meetings, but we run out as soon as they're over or hang up as soon as it's over. And we stay in our own isolation. And uh, we're missing something when we do that. There's um, a way that this program works that I found only is realized by stepping outside my comfort zone and becoming vulnerable enough to extend myself to another person and make friends. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Melanie. Melanie, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Every few days, this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to, se to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. When I read that, I think about the serious nature of this kind of deal. And in the paragraph before, it says, um, if he means business, if he means business. I guess it's two paragraphs before. And those things continue to step out in my mind because this is um, a program of action. I can come into, my, into rooms, and I had for many, many, many years, and um, wanted to, wanted this thing really, really bad. And um, I would go back out to my car with that that rescue that I had out there, you know, that cellophane bag in that bakery box. Every every time after every meeting, I'd get high on the emotion and want what everybody had. And so what this tells me is that um, even a doctor is going to be selective. You know, we got to get down to business. And it, it continues on to say that these people will continue to stay in 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 action. It was the action, coming together. It was talking. It was spreading the news. And I just don't want that to be left un, unsaid here. We are talking about some things that are a vision for you that are, are so exciting and so interesting. And it can heighten and my, my, my heart and my hope and my interest. And yet, and yet, I've got to get down to business. This is a serious, serious disease. And together, I have a part and a responsibility to myself and to the next person that is sick and needs to recover as well. And that's what I read throughout these things, and that's my impression from what we're, we're getting here, that there's an emotional element that don't miss the part, Melanie, that says these folks are together and they've gotten to work. They're talking to other family members. They're, they're, they're working out scrapes. You know, they're doing their business. They are in this, actively doing this kind of deal. And even a doctor is looking for the eye. I mean, has an eye for who's going to get this because they come in by the 100s and they leave by the 99s. And, um, and I don't like to be a naysayer here, but please, I don't want to miss the point, Melanie, that they're talking about action here. Be careful about the emotion. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Anyone else like to comment? This is Judith. Judith, go ahead. Okay, thanks, Leah. This is Judith in Vermont, Compulsible Reader. Um, there are the same fast friendships. There's the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. Uh, I remember when I moved from Michigan to the Bay Area, San Francisco, many years ago, I went to a meeting of 100 people, in a way, and I felt like standing up and saying, 
would my best friend please stand up because I know you're here. Because I had learned from my years before that that I tended to make my best friends in program. It just happened a little by little that it would happen that way. And uh, you know, I couldn't do that. So I had to go out to coffee for coffee after the meeting. And eventually I found someone who wound up uh, being my maid of honor at my wedding. And, and I still talk to her to this day, 20 some years later. So past friendships, yes. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else with a quick comment before we close? This is Helena. May I share? Yes. Um, so I do hear the, co the points being made, and I'm very grateful that we have so many different points of view that's all part of recovery. And that, yes, I see a vision is really talking very much about the fellowship, that we are not going to be alone, even if we're in a remote area, even if there are no meetings. And um, the travel between us has increased. Oh, my goodness, we have this wonderful technology that can be used for recovery. I am so grateful that I can be in touch with people east and west and around the world in my own home. And so this chapter, in my view, really focuses on the fellowship. I'm very grateful that it was pointed out that the fellowship is not the solution. This is what will grow up as a, around us as a result of our recovery, as a result of our really being so desperate that we are willing to do whatever the 12 steps say, difficult as it can be. Passed. Thank you, Helena. And on that note, we're going to close the meeting now. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judy B., are you available to read from A Vision for You? Yes, I am, Leah. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.